0: Hi folks, welcome back to another episode of Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast on com. I am your host, Jeremy Birmingham. With me today, as usual, Spencer Holbrook from Letterman Row. Spencer, um, we are now two days after the Ohio State Buckeyes won their third straight Big Ten championship. Uh, The the program has sort of taken over the Big Ten in the last 15 years. But if you were a recruit, how much would a championship in a conference
1: matter to you? Well, uh, rings are important, right? Rings are real important. (laughs) And uh, they speak more than any visit that you could take. Obviously, the in-home feel and the the brotherhoods that each program try and try and tell you about are big. But at the end of the day, there's two things that you need to do when you go to college, and that's win championships, and that's go, uh, be able to be developed to go to the NFL. Ohio State checks both those boxes, I mean, right off the bat, and there's not much question. You can say that they do it better than anybody else in the country because— Ohio State's won three, three straight big Ten championships. Uh, Alabama hasn't done that. Clemson has, but they play in a weaker conference. And so you know there are a few programs that can do that can claim what Ohio State is able to claim right now. And that's important on the recruiting trail.
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy right now. Obviously Ohio State with three straight conference wins. Clemson has five, Oklahoma has five. Uh, it's like there's this handful of schools and this this real upper echelon of, of programs that have kind of taken over, and then you start to see the equivalency when it looks at the recruiting rankings, and you can start to figure out why. Um, As we talk about Ohio State winning their championship in the Big Ten this weekend, C.J. Stroud, and we'll just dive right into the quarterback recruiting update this week because that's what everyone obviously is interested in the most. Uh, C.J. Stroud will make uh, his official visit to Ohio State this upcoming weekend. He did visit Ann Arbor last weekend. And uh, the internet was a buzz, I guess we will say, um, because a video emanated from the uh, echoes of Chrysler Hall, Chrysler Arena, Chrysler Hall, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. Um, where Michigan's basketball team was playing and there was a, a, a an enrapturing chant, a, We want CJ, We want CJ. But Spencer, will you tell people what that chant was actually about?
1: So Michigan has a walk-on. You know, so Ohio State fans know who Danny Hummer is, the walk-on Ohio State basketball player, the short dude that Joey Lane... Joey Lane's role from last year, Danny Hummer. And that's basically what this kid is on Michigan's basketball team. His name—his first name is CJ. I think it's CJ Baker, right? Yes, and they were up big in their basketball game. And so what did they chant when CJ Stroud was in attendance? Just by coincidence, we want CJ. Uh, it's, the, it's one of the best coincidences I've seen in college athletics in quite a long time. Uh I think uh the only thing that could possibly top that right now in the month of December and January is if Ohio State plays Joe Burrow in the national title game. But I mean just the incredible coincidence that CJ Shaw makes his official visit to Michigan yeah. and they chant that for the walk on. It's it's pretty wild.
0: Yeah, I mean it's one of those things where it looks on the surface to be very like, oh wow, look at that. That's romantic. But um And Michigan does want C.J. They do want C.J. Stroud. The Wolverines do not have a quarterback committed in their class of 2020. But I don't think that chance, whether or not it was aimed at a walk-on basketball player or a prospect visiting from California, is going to change much in this recruitment. There's been um, no real buzz coming out of Ann Arbor yet about this visit for C.J. Stroud, and I think that's expected. He's a very quiet kid, very reserved, private. In the next few days, I'm sure if you, if you pay attention to some of the media reporters out west, some of the recruiting guys out west, I imagine they'll have some quotes from Stroud that will be very glowing and, and positive about the trip to Michigan. And I have no doubt that that's accurate and that's they put, it in, put on a good show for him and showed him a good time. Um, but I think right now this is just really shaping up to be about Ohio State And if this upcoming weekend, if the Buckeyes can show C.J. Stroud the plan for him and his future, knowing that Jack Miller is committed and how that competition is going to work out in the next couple of years, and then show C.J. and his mother that being far away from home isn't going to be a problem for them uh, and show them why it's not going to be a problem for them, then I think that all signs are still shaping up toward a Buckeye win in this recruitment come next Wednesday.
1: Yeah, that, that they should win this battle. This is something – I think this is like a – this is going to be one of those ones Ryan Day's going to be able to hang his hat on eventually, I think. I think if, if he can get this thing done and get it locked up and stave off this small Michigan rally and whatever momentum uh, Georgia had before CJ, I don't think he made the trick
0: there. Uh, he, he made his official read, visit to Georgia. But here's the thing, and I, I can't help but imagine that this plays some role in, in what he's looking at. CJ Stroud, his quarterback coaches, everyone knows is Quincy Avery, who's Justin Fields and Dwayne Haskins' quarterback coach. Justin Fields went to Georgia for a year and transferred, and now he's at Ohio State where he's winning, um, you know, MVP of the Big Ten championship game and throwing 40 touchdowns against one interception. And you can't help but watch Jake Fromm's development at Georgia and and wonder who's in charge of it because he looks like a quarterback who's regressed uh, each year from his freshman season and now is not necessarily a player that is even being talked about as far as an NFL early entry goes. So I, I think that that has to play some part in it, don't you?
1: Yeah, for sure. And you can look at everybody who's competing for C.J. other than Ohio State. And I will say this. It's hard to compete with Ohio State at any position. Ohio yeah. State churns out pros at every stop. But especially at quarterback, development is everything. And it doesn't it didn't seem like Shea Patterson developed the way Michigan would have liked him to. It does not seem like Jake Fromm has developed the way everyone thought he would after he damn near won a national championship as a freshman. Yeah. And so the two schools and programs competing for CJ Stroud with Ohio State cannot lay claim to the development of quarterbacks and the proven track record of Quincy Avery quarterbacks. Quite like Ryan
0: Bacon. Yeah, and USC is still involved in this mix as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if Stroud ends up making an official visit to USC, like maybe a a day or two after he returns from Ohio State, just to compare it for him him and his mother. Plus, it's right down the street, so he can get there and do like a Monday, Tuesday. That has not been like, you know, set up or scheduled anywhere. But I just, I'm just saying, I'm not going to be surprised if it happens. And I think what's actually going to happen here is that this battle comes down to the Buckeyes and the Trojans as opposed to Ohio State and Georgia. Because if Stroud is going to leave home, I'm almost positive at this point that it's going to be the Buckeyes. And if he doesn't, well, then he's not. So that's where I'm going. So um, Stroud will be the only, as far as I've been told, the only non-committed class of 2020 prospect Ohio State will see on the road this week when the coaches are out recruiting, which means that Ryan Day is not going to be visiting Bijan Robinson, as people might want uh, or wonder. It means he's not going to be visiting Tyler Barron. Uh, and, and not going to be visiting Xavier Carlton. So those are things to keep an eye on. Xavier Carlton is not going to make a decision until February. So if the Buckeyes do want to kick the tires on that coming around uh, after the early signing period, they're going to have a chance to do that. But I think it's interesting to keep an eye on Bajan Robinson, um, who to this point has been planning on signing early. But I, I don't know if, like, maybe this is where the skeptic in me comes out, but like, Knowing that all those changes are happening in Austin with the coaching staff, I don't know that I would trust that they weren't going to fire the coaches that were recruiting me after signing day if I was with John Robinson. So I'm saying, and this is just me speculating, speculative speculation, that he might decide to wait until February, and that would throw a serious wrench into things.
1: Yeah, that would kind of almost tell you that he's willing to open it back up. And uh, we know how Ohio State fans are. We don't want to give Ohio State fans too much optimism here because, you know, they obviously really want Deshaun Robinson. But, yeah, speculation isn't always a bad thing, especially in this circumstance. Yeah,
0: and the Buckeyes are basically just going to roll the dice. If if he signs next week, then, you know, it was never meant to be anyway. If he doesn't, then you have five or six weeks for Ryan Day and Tony Alford to try to make a push and, uh, you know, change things one more time towards signing day, but uh, uh, signing day in February. So we'll just go there. The Buckeyes coaches are on the road. They're going to see this week commitments. They're going to see players who are enrolling early. If you go to LettermanRow.com Monday morning, I did an update on the 13 players that are expected to enroll early for the Buckeyes. And that list also could include C.J. Stroud if he picks Ohio State. So 14 players in this class are enrolling early. and That is the priority for the Buckeyes coaches this week as they're on the road. So we're not going to spend too much time talking about where they're going here or there because I'm telling you, they're just going to see commitments. They will see other players in the class of 2021 if they're nearby. But like when Brian Hartline goes out to Washington to see G. Scott this week. He's certainly going to make a trip over to Steelacoom to try and visit with uh, Emeka Abuka, the five star receiver out there. So, you know, they're going to try to tie those trips together. But for the most part, this is a coaching staff that's going to see players who are committed make sure that everyone is ready for signing day make sure that the early enrollees know exactly what's coming and what's expected and that's where we're going to go from there so we're going to take away and, and uh, we we talked about this position preview position breakdown position review whatever you want to call it uh for signing day we're a little behind so spencer and i today are going to talk offensive linemen and defensive linemen with a little two for a little two for one on a monday
1: not not quite a supersode but, uh... no no
0: not a super supersode but like a, like a bigger than normal double. So- sewed, yeah, a double, like sewed. double. So, um, offensive line, Spencer, this is obviously a spot when Ryan day took over the job in Columbus last December, he said that rebuilding the offensive line was his first priority. The Buckeyes went out and did that. He actually added from the time he took the job on December 4th through signing day in uh, February, he added Enoch Vamahi and Dewan Jones to a class that also included, uh, Ryan Jacoby, um, and uh, the somebody who else was in the 2019 recruiting class on the offensive line?
1: I just started. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It
0: doesn't matter. They ended up adding uh, Jonah Jackson to that group as well. So they went out and they really did a good job of, of revitalizing an offensive line group that was sort of stagnant uh, and, and numbers that were pretty low. And then they really kicked it into gear in 2020 with six offensive line commitments in this class, highlighted, of course, by Paris Johnson, the five-star from Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, and they're just kind of uh, paving paving a trail for offensive linemen right now. They're see, you're seeing the offensive linemen be developed better right now at Ohio State. You're seeing offensive linemen come through and have a chance to play early. Look at Josh Myers and, and Wyatt Davis. But then you also see a guy like Jonah Jackson. He comes in one year after being at Rutgers for a while, and he has an immediate impact. You've seen the, the progression of Thayer Munford. You can even point back to, and I always use this one as an example, you look back to the progression of what Billy Price was for, from a freshman right. on that national title team till the time he was a senior, and he won he won major awards. So they can really hang their hat on a lot on that offensive line right now. And with those six guys coming in, uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if there's another big hole in 2021. But this 2020 group has a good chance to be pretty special, I think.
0: Yeah, outside of a mass exodus from the offensive line, which and by that I mean that Thayer Munford, Josh Myers, and Wyatt Davis all leaving. Uh, for the nfl early after the season as they could do uh, i don't expect them all to go but i certainly think one of them uh, maybe two of them will test the waters but i think paris johnson is in a position to be in the two deep from the minute he steps on campus um, and the he's one of the guys that's enrolling early the other early enrollee in this group of six linemen is luke Whippler from um, montvale new jersey luke is an interior guy I, he's not going to be called on um, to to be immediately ready, I don't think, because the Buckeyes will have Harry Miller, um, Matthew Jones, um, Wyatt Davis, or Josh Myers are both returning. Like there's some there's some flexibility there, but Whippler is a player that's the top ranked center in the country. Uh, this is three of the last four years, Ohio State has signed the number one center in the nation. It is an opportunity for Luke and for Paris to get in and understand the culture quickly. And those guys are going to be called on to be in that two deep, I, I imagine, next year. So, that's your headliners, or those are your headliners in the group. But I, to me, the the two guys that I really think are going to be fascinating to watch develop uh, is Josh Fryer and Grant Sutant, who I think are two of the more athletic offensive linemen in the Midwest. Tutant has uh, torn his uh, labrum in his arm. But he's going to be out um, for a few months. So he's not going to be able to work out really again until April. But he's not coming into Ohio State till June. So he's expected to be full strength when he arrives. And his athleticism at six foot 310, 315 pounds is really intriguing. And then you have Josh Fryer, who the Buckeyes love because he's so versatile.
1: And, Burr, I'm going to add one more name just because I think Ohio State technically has seven offensive linemen in this class. I think of Enoch I think of Enoch Vimahi as a twenty twenty prospect. Ohio State signed him in twenty nineteen, developed him for a year, thought he was going to leave on a two year mormon admission. That's not the case anymore. So what did Ohio State do? They added another guy in that 2020 class, technically, who actually already has a year under Mickey Moradi and has already shown up on the Scout Team Players of the Week multiple times this year. I think that is an absolute home run yeah. and a guy, and a guy that, that that coaching staff likes a lot more than fans might think just because he was late to the, late to the to show and, and was kind of under the radar name. But Ryan Day got on a plane last year at this time, flew all the way to hawaii for a day and visited with him and got him to come to columbus and for him to stay around with that 2020 group and kind of start over again as another freshman but already have a year in the system i think that's huge for the development of this offensive line across the board
0: yeah Enoch was a guy that um decided to to skip on that mission but i think the for buckeye fans you're just starting to see him find some playing time he came in in june as you mentioned uh, but he was also really kind of light when he arrived in like the 265 pound range, and I'm I think seeing him at the in, uh, in Indianapolis at the Big Ten Championship game, he looked like he's really gotten into that 285 290 range, and he's starting to look the part. So um, you know the other two offensive linemen in the class outside of Tutante and Fryer. Are Jacob James, the offensive guard from Cincinnati Elder High School, and Trey Larue, who's a massive six foot eight, three hundred and forty pound uh, lineman, who I don't know where he's going to play if he's a guard um, because he, he doesn't have he the feet that like DeWan Jones, who's really large. Uh, DeWan has a little bit better feet and a little bit better athleticism, so um, I'm interested to see how the Buckeyes use Larue as he starts to develop. He's a guy that I don't expect to contribute next year. Jacob James, I think is actually a really skilled offensive lineman, but like Enoch Vamahi uh, comes into the program at Ohio state and he's going to be pretty light. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how
1: they develop him. Yeah. If you, that'll be one of the biggest tests for, for Greg's to draw. If you want to see what kind of developer he is, you're going to be able to point to those two guys right there. And if they become successful Ohio State offensive lineman, you're going to say, okay, this guy is very, very talented when it comes to developing offensive linemen. Because, like you said, they're both pretty raw guys. You know, yeah. Jacob James is really light. He's, I think, he's a little—he's pretty quick though for how because of how light he is. Yeah, he and comes he has from a
0: long l- line of, of offensive linemen. He's a coach's son. All the things that you like, but at the same time, it's totally on Greg Studrara right now with a group of six offensive linemen coming in uh, to to find a way to turn players like Fryer, who they like because he's so versatile. Uh, uh Tutant who they like because he's so athletic Uh James who they like because he's got such a high football IQ and LaRue who they like because he's got such great size. So there's all these like different components that each guy has. And, and, and now it's on Greg's to draw to find out how to mash them all together.
1: And if I'm one of those interior guys, the first thing I'm doing when I get on campus is I am latching on to Harry Miller. Yeah, no doubt. Because yeah. if you want to learn from a guy who came in and impressed every blew everyone away right away and, let me be clear. In my opinion, the only reason Harry Miller is not on the field now is because of how talented Josh Myers is.
0: Yeah, Harry Miller that's has how, done enough to start for the Buckeyes this year.
1: That's how, that's how highly they regard Harry Miller inside the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. I think if those interior linemen can learn anything, they need to learn what Harry does and then attach yourself to Harry and learn from under him because he has done everything the right way so far.
0: That's the offensive line. Six guys, two enrolling early, two guys who I think are projects, and two guys who I think have really high upside but are raw in Toutant and Fryer. So all six of those players are expected to sign with Ohio State next week, as is the uh, entirety of the defensive line hall at this point, which is three players. Ty Hamilton from uh, Pickerington Central High School, the younger brother of Devon Hamilton, the talented Ohio State fifth-year senior. Darion Henry from Cincinnati, Princeton, a teammate of Paris Johnson's and a f- former top 40 player in the country. And then you have Jacoba Cowan over there in uh, Providence uh, Day High School in North Carolina in Charlotte. Six foot five, 270 pounds, very versatile, very athletic. But all three of these guys have these different questions. Like with Ty Hamilton. When the Buckeyes offered him, he was like in the 6'2", 240 range. Now he's like 280 pounds and just won a state championship in Division I in Ohio, so you know he's got uh, the ability to put on weight and change his body, which Larry Johnson loves. Darion Henry is, as I said, one of the more interesting recruits to me in this entire cycle. Former Top 40 prospect a year ago. Last January, he was a Top 40 player, and then he tore a, a, a muscle in his shoulder, and then he dropped to like number 550 for some reason without playing football.
1: The rankings are incredible, aren't they?
0: It's 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 crazy that a guy who's six foot five, 265 pounds, everyone loved him enough to make him a borderline five-star player, had a pretty good junior season a year ago before getting hurt, then gets hurt and drops 450 spots in the national recruiting rankings because the first time he went out and tried to play football again after his surgery was at a camp uh, in Nashville or, or somewhere down south, and he didn't look good. And uh, he, he didn't look good when he camped at Ohio State this last summer. Larry Johnson uh, was working with him the whole time, but it takes, it takes time and energy to get your body back right after a major surgery, and Darion did that. He had a pretty good senior season. I think that it's actually really great for Ohio State that a player like Henry is gonna come into Ohio State with a massive chip on his
1: shoulder. And make no mistake, he uses that too. We talked to him in the summer. We went we went and saw he right. and Paris Johnson and they he Paris knows that he uses it as you know, as some as some talking points, and, and Darian Henry knows that he uses it as some motivation because because he knows how close he was to being on that five star level, and then all of a sudden everything kind of just fell out from under him, and there was no reason for it at all. He knows what kind of player he is, and I think I think he can be a really talented guy for this team. Jacoby
0: Cowan's a player who is similar in that respect. He again, as I said, six foot five, two hundred seventy five pounds. Both those guys are fitting that mold of a defensive end that Larry Johnson wants. And that means a defensive end who can also slide in and play three tech, uh, and that six foot four, six foot five range, 275, 280 pounder that, that can do all things. Jacobi is another one who was very highly ranked. Now he's in the middle of the road. He he's a three star, I think on rivals.com. Um, the big knock on him is the competition he plays against in Charlotte. And then the motor, some people have seen tape on him where he just didn't really look like a guy that was giving it his all. Um, and that's something that Larry Johnson will have to coach out of him. But the physical talent, the raw talent is certainly there. Jacoby Cowan was a player that Urban Meyer was really uh, high on before Meyer left uh, the Buckeyes program over in Ryan Day's hands. And then it took a little time for that to come back around, but then it did, and Larry Johnson had him on campus for an official visit in June, and things sort of took off from there. Cowan committed to the Buckeyes over the summer, didn't make it official until October. But, you know, those three guys – are all kind of raw in a different way than the offensive line. These are guys that all have have issues that I think Larry Johnson is going to have to work on. But there's nobody better in the country at doing that than, than than Larry Johnson.
1: And the thing I always like to do with these guys is just give kind of a reference point on where they, you know, who, who they might remind Ohio State fans of. And a guy who came in this year with with a people questioned his motor, didn't know about his work ethic, was Antoine Jackson. And if I'm not mistaken, Antoine Jackson was on the field like in the first quarter of the Michigan game because of how his progress. So if Larry Johnson can get the best out of somebody, you know, point to Antoine Jackson and say, wow, that, that's, a, that's a guy that, that, you know, bolted on Larry Johnson the first time, didn't commit to him, came in uh, after going to community college, and now is con- a contributor on a team that has a chance to win a national title. Jacoby Cowan, if anybody has questions about his motor, I think those would be wiped away. Fairly quickly under Larry Johnson because he just has that ability to get those guys to do everything. And one last thing I want to say about this defensive line. I think it's interesting that not one of these guys has a complete set position.
0: Yeah, that, that's what they want. They, they look for that positionless type of player at this point along the defensive line. And, um, you know, I think that that sort of versatility is key right now across all levels of the defense. Ohio State with the bullet position, you're looking for guys who can play linebacker and safety. You're looking for guys who can play safety and corner. You're looking for guys who can play rush end and outside linebacker. So it's like, it's just the way football is changing into this almost positionless sport similar to basketball. Um, I'm going to wrap up the defensive line recruiting talk here. uh, As we finish up talking stuff on Letterman row next week, signing day, as I said, uh, You will see a decision made from Tyler Barron, the four-star defensive end from uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. I think Ohio State's running third in that battle behind Kentucky and Tennessee. I don't expect it to be Ohio State when he makes his decision next week. But then the Buckeyes will have to decide about Xavier Carlton if they're going to continue to push and try to bring him uh, east from Utah. Made his official visit for the Penn State game. Big-time prospect, 6'7", 245 pounds, Uh, High upside guy, good motor, a lot of talent, going to be a difficult lure out of Utah. And with the return of Jonathan Cooper, with the switch of Cade Stover to the defensive end position from linebacker, right now Carlton is a luxury, not a need. And so I think for the Buckeyes, what they'll do is reassess where things are after the season is over, knowing that they have time to go out West and sit down with Carlton for an in-home visit in, in January if they need to do it. So um, that is where we're going to wrap up this edition of Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast on LettermanRow.com. That has been Spencer Holbrook joining me on the phone. I am Jeremy Birmingham. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Please rate, subscribe, like, all the other things that, uh, you know, the Internet suggests that you do and that suggests that we ask you to. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, folks. And we will talk to you again next time where we'll preview the linebackers, and probably preview C.J. Stroud's upcoming official visit to
1: Ohio State because we can't ever not talk about the quarterbacks. Have a good one.